0: To the, the day the squirrel went berserk at First Baptist Church. Someone should write a song about that. Um, in case you didn't know, about an hour ago we were uh, having meetings to decide whether to have quick devotion in the gym, maybe in the courtyard, because there was no power in the sanctuary and no power several other places on campus. So I want to say uh, thanks to Bo for getting things running and Kenneth and the choir and the musicians uh, for fighting through the heat and being willing to do all that. A special shout out to Gulf Power for getting us up and running uh, quickly and for dragging that squirrel, that fried squirrel off (laughs) somewhere else. So um, in case you haven't met me, my name is Bob Lowe and I am the church administrator I don't get to preach that often, and when I do, I have to fight the temptation not to try and bless you with everything that I know. (laughs) If you're visiting for the first time, all I'll say is, don't panic. (laughs) Don't panic. Be like the Haney's. The last time I preached was their first Sunday here, and they're still here. (laughs) So they fought through that first one, so I recommend the same thing. Um, All joking aside. It's an honor and privilege any time to have this opportunity to uh, to preach God's Word. Um, so right now, let's just join a prayer together, and uh, then we'll dive in. Our Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, get together. Lord, we thank you for uh, the situations that have been fixed to allow us to gather and to be cool and to be comfortable. Our Lord, we praise you for that. We praise you for the way that you love us, Lord, the way that you bless us. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, get me out of the way and that you would speak through me uh, your words Lord. that uh, people would receive uh, the blessing that you have for them again we thank you we love you we pray in jesus name amen well i'm 57 years old and i've had two grown-up jobs my entire life first one was the navy i was in the navy for 20 years and next month i'll have been the church administrator here for 19 years so for those of you that bet the over under on two months you might be in trouble. Um, over the past 39 years, I've learned many great lessons. One of the most surprising things I've learned is that I'm not perfect. I'll pause for a minute and let you deal with uh, this shocking announcement. Uh, it came as a shock to my family as well, and I'm still trying to work through and get used to the idea myself. Gail and I moved here in 1994 when I was with the Navy, and we had a third grader and a first grader. Since that time, we've picked up another kid, Zane, a son-in-law, Britt, and the best grandkid we could ask for in my main man, Bentley. We've gained people we consider family and some of the best friends we've ever known. In our 27 years together here, including the last 19 on staff, we've been through a lot together as a church family. We've all lost loved ones. We've seen and had our hearts broken by family problems. We've celebrated new additions to our families. We've celebrated family accomplishments, and we've had some disagreements along the way. Now, if you watch Hulu or some of those shows, they'll say, this program is free with ads. So this sermon will be free with a few ads along the way. (laughs) Ad number one, I'd like to remind you that I'm not perfect. In case you've forgotten or if you refuse to believe it, I just want to let that slip back in. Something else I've learned is that you, y'all, another thing I've learned, y'all aren't perfect either, which reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. There's a man who was living on a deserted island. He's stranded there for years and years and years. Finally, he was rescued. And when the helicopter came in and picked him up, they were flying away. They saw three huts on the island. And they said, what's the deal with the three huts? And the guy said, well, that first hut is where I live. That second hut is where I go to church. He said, that third hut is where I used to go to church. So, back to the sermon. We want to be perfect. I hate when I mess up. I hate it. We want the people around us to be perfect. We want our spouses, kids, family, and friends to be perfect. We want the people we disagree with to be perfect. We want the people we do business with to be perfect. We set the bar extremely high. We even want our heroes to be perfect. Some of us, not calling any names, want those who are driving their cars around us to be perfect. Anybody? uh, Is that anyone? Is that just me, or is it other people as well? Well the big problem with all that is we all fail. We all make mistakes and poor decisions. We stumble in our careers and in our families. Sadly, we stumble in our convictions and in our beliefs. We stumble in our commitment and devotion to Jesus. How sad for us to disappoint the one who gave everything for us. At these times when we are at our most inadequate, we need to remind ourselves of the greatness of the God, of the Lord, the God. In our failure and in the failure of others, we all need to fall into his greatness and let him catch us and hold us. One of my Mer- favorite Mercy Me songs says, if I could just sit with you a while, if you could just hold me. That's always, when I'm, when I'm having trouble, that's one of the songs I go back to because I just picture of God holding me. Uh, which takes us to add number two, Vacation Bible School. June 28th through July 2nd, <laughs> 9 to noon, right? That's our next one. And I'll tell you why that's an ad, because one of the treasure verses, this year we're doing Mystery Island, and one of the treasure verses for Vacation Bible School this year comes from Psalm 145. I won't spoil it by telling you which one. You just have to come to Bible School and find out for yourself. All right, back to the sermon. All right, we, uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to go to Psalm 145 and we are going to read that psalm. We'll be reading the ESV uh, translation today. Back when I was 25 and I had just gotten saved, my in-laws asked me if they could buy me a Bible, and they put my name on the front of it and asked me what my favorite color was. It was green. It still is green. had my name on the front of it and everything, and I brought it to church the first couple of times, and they started talking about Bible translations, and they said, what translation do you have? And I said, I have a green one. <clears throat> Since that time, I've learned that's not what they meant. And a couple weeks ago when Bentley was here with me, he, we were he, trying to find the verse we were on in our, in our Bibles, and he said, what page? I said, I don't think we have the same page numbers. <clears throat> anyway, Psalm 145 uh, says this. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power and make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Psalm 145 is written by David, the lowercase king of Israel. David uses this psalm to lead the Israelites and all creation in words of praise and thanksgiving to God, the uppercase king of Israel. These words lead us on an adventure with the Israelites. They have returned from exile in Babylon... They've been working on rebuilding their praise and worship, and they are searching for their identity as they refocus on God rather than themselves. David leads the people in celebration that God is king of Israel. Psalm 145 opens with words of celebration. It says, I will exalt you, my king, my God the king, and I will bless your name for all time. What a significant statement we see here. David isn't saying that God is a king. He is saying God is the king. And that's something uh, that I really need to work on celebrating God more. I get busy. You know, you think you work at a church and everything is, you just singing praises to the Lord all day and everything's perfect. And, um, but you get wrapped up in regular life and things happen and I just don't celebrate God enough. And while I was prepping for this sermon, uh, God revealed to me what a a lacking area in my life that is. And and I need to work on this desperately. Several years ago, um, even way back when, in the Bamberg Chapel, we had a missionary who came and, and spoke. And he showed a video of a missionary speaking to this tribe of people several people got saved, maybe hundreds. I know people just kept pouring down to get saved. And after the service was over, everyone else from the tribe ran down front and grabbed the preacher and they were missionary and they were throwing him up in the air and catching him and throwing him up in the air and catching him. And I thought, what an amazing testimony to see what happens when people get saved. And a lot of times we just We see people get saved and we just go on about our business and it doesn't excite us the way that it should. Um, We we need that. We need that. We need to celebrate how wonderfully awesome God is. David then says to God, I will bless your name. Names are important. My dad would always remind us, never forget you're a low. Even when we messed up, even when we weren't perfect, my dad would say, Always remember that you are alone. And David says this about God, reminding us how wonderfully awesome God is. Add number three we need to be reminded often that as Christians, we belong to God. I think a lot of times we forget. God is our Father. God loves us when we are unlovable, when we're lonely, when we're hurt, when we're scared, when we're sick. He loves us through the good times and the bad times. God loves us more than I love Bentley, and that's saying something, so back to the sermon. In Exodus 3, Moses asked God what to tell the Israelites if they asked who sent Moses to them. God says, tell them I am who I am sent you. And then God explains to Moses about God's name and characteristics. In Psalm 145, David lists a number of these attributes of God. The Lord is great. The Lord is good. He's compassionate. He's righteous. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He upholds those who are falling. He's near to those who call on Him, and His love is steadfast. When we aren't perfect, and those around us aren't perfect, we need to refocus our attention on these attributes of God and stop expecting other people to be God. Just focus on God. David also encourages us to pass these attributes from one generation to another. He encourages us to meditate on God's majesty and his mighty works. He then offers more encouragement for us to celebrate and to sing those attributes like we did earlier. David says, not only are we to recognize these things about God, we are to eagerly and joyously tell others about them and I, and I was thinking when was the last time I eagerly and joyously told someone about God and again with Vacation Bible School on the horizon two weeks from tomorrow this gives us the perfect chance to share these attributes of God with these kids it gives us a great opportunity to share God's perfect son at number four Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and yet he was still willing to die for all of us. Can you imagine having no sin in your life and yet still be willing to die for those sinful creatures like us? It's just—it's hard to imagine. God's Word teaches us over and over and over that Jesus was perfect. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2.22 says, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. 1 John 3.5 says, You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. In Hebrews 4.15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. So when we, I, I see a lot of uh, things I read, and I, I see people who often make the claim that Jesus was just a, just a man, just someone who was just a normal person, um, just a regular person, And and he was brought to earth and he was a regular person like us, but yet he was perfect. He was perfect, unlike us. And so when we see these things, when we hear people say that Jesus wasn't perfect, that Jesus isn't exactly who he says he is, that Jesus isn't the way, the truth, and the life, this is our opportunity. Uh, for us to be joyously sharing that he is. Every day we have opportunities to, to share. So now that we have this information, what do we do with it? We've talked about refocusing our attention on celebrating the attributes of God. We also need to refocus on our relationship with Jesus. So how can we do that? If you've never trusted Jesus, here are a few verses that can help. In Matthew 4:17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Don't hear a lot about repent, because that means what we're doing might not be right. And for us, repentance is going to be important, because we're going to have to turn away from the things that we're doing. Right? I know my issues. I don't necessarily know your issues, but God does. God knows what you have to fix in your life. God knows what you need to repent of and from. I always think about, uh, in the old days, I used to think that you could walk on the edge as long as, as long as you weren't sinning, but you could stay right by the sin, the issues that you had. And just you could just hang on that edge. But when you're on that edge, it's easy to fall in, fall back in. It's important to get away from that issue that you have. Walk away. Whatever it is, work on getting away from that. Don't, don't keep that sin in your life. I use this example. Uh, I've tried to lose a few pounds, another shocking announcement. Uh, and, and I say, well, you know what? I'm not gonna eat at the buffet, but I'm just gonna go down there and sit there, right, pull up a chair right next to the buffet because I, I don't plan to eat it, I just plan to sit right close to it, right? Uh, and, and a lot of times we keep that sin, that thing that's dragging us down, we keep it close to us because it's comfortable to fall back into that. And so repent, get away from those things. And then Romans ten thirteen makes this claim, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When I was a young adult, one of the things I thought was that Jesus would never want to save me because of some of the stuff that I had done. And I talked to people who say the same thing. God can't save me. Jesus can't save me. You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what I've been through. And that's a a lie right from Satan. Because this says right here, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, you know, that's, that's what we need to do. And so for those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you, we'll have an invitation time. Um, but, but don't get away without speaking to somebody about this, about if you're not sure. If you're not sure today, if you died, would you wind up in heaven or hell? Just speak to somebody here. There's people all over the place who would love to share with you. Right. So, all right. All right. So then I'm going to say this. Have you called upon the name of Jesus yet? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Being, here's another thing I learned. Being better than imperfect people won't get you a reservation in heaven. I used to make that claim. I I grew up thinking if I was good enough, even though I knew I wasn't, if I was good enough, then I could be better than so-and-so, then God would accept me. And I... I hear people say, at least I'm not Hitler. And I say, well, you ain't Mother Teresa either. (laughs) And even Mother Teresa needed Jesus. So So, uh, this today is a perfect opportunity for you to put your trust and your faith in Jesus. As previously mentioned, my favorite Mercy Me song says, if I could sit with you a while, if you could just hold me. Then later on in the song, it says, If I could just sit with you a while, I need you to hold me moment by moment until forever passes by. Imagine being secure in knowing you will be in the arms of Jesus moment by moment until forever passes by. What better place? If you have uh, kids, grandkids, people that you love, they come up and give you a hug. Can you imagine being hugged by Jesus Forever. That's what's, that's what's offered. And, and it's just, I don't know, sometimes I just can't understand uh, why people would, would miss out on that. And then I see some of the dumb stuff that I do and I understand. Uh, so for those of us that have a relationship with Jesus, how do we refocus and strengthen our relationship with him? Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh, set aside their mi- set their sides their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit i'll say that again in english since the last time didn't go that well for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit I'm sure if you're like me, you can see in your lives when you have your mind set on flesh and when you have your mind set on the spirit and the difference that it makes. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So for those of us with a relationship, have you been ignoring God's call for you to to be obedient through baptism? I know some of uh, we've seen several people get baptized, that that could be you, you're sitting there and you're embarrassed or you don't you know you don't want to admit that you've never been baptized or those kind of things. Put those things aside and, and be obedient to God. Maybe God is calling you to unite with this church through membership. Is God calling you to put away these things that are hindering your relationship with him, as Bentley says no matter what happens, something good happens, he'll find a nickel on the ground and he'll go, let's go, let's go, no matter what it is. If I I bring him a Gatorade, he starts saying that, you know? So if we focus our relationship on Jesus, let's go, let's go, let's do these things. So it's either time for us to focus on a brand new relationship or it's time for us to strengthen our current relationship. Mr. Kenneth is going to come, and we're going to sing. I'll be here. Randy will be here. The altar is open for those who want to pray. Um, If you have business that you need to do with God, I would suggest today would be the day. Thank you.